Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Cairo, Egypt at the Africa Cup of Nations, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya. So the 2019 Nations Cup is here. We'll give you an idea of the excitement in Egypt and we conclude our preview with a look at groups D, E and F. Plus an assessment of the African teams at the FIFA Women's World Cup in France. Well, it's blazing hot to here in Cairo. Temperatures will reach as high as 40 degrees during the tournament. And even for the late kickoffs at 10 p.m. local time, it'll still be around 27 degrees. Uh, just as well, there'll be cooling breaks of three minutes in either half to give the players a bit of relief. I'm at the official Confederation of African Football Hotel in the city centre of Cairo. And from my balcony on the eighth floor, I've got a marvellous view of the Nile River. It is vast and magnificent. It runs through this massive city of 22 million people. Uh, now also looking out at the skyline, in front of me is the National Bank of Egypt on the other side of the river, a shiny glass building, many, many high-rise buildings here. And also the skyline is dominated by the minarets, the towers of the mosques. There's a few older buildings to my left and below me you can hear the traffic, the cars going over a bridge across the River Nile. And the traffic never stops here in Cairo. Even when I was brought here at the airport at 2.30 in the early hours of Thursday morning, the roads were very busy even at that hour and uh, there was bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic in the opposite direction at one point heading towards the airport. Well, I was on a plane from Zimbabwe via Addis Ababa in Ethiopia and on the plane were fans from Zimbabwe in small numbers uh, plus uh, plenty of fans from Nigeria, from the DRC and uh, from Burundi as well. One of the great things uh, being at a tournament like this is you do get to interact with people from all over the continent. Well, we are producing regular podcasts throughout the tournament called The Egyptian Dream. It's available on the Planet Sport Football Africa app and also on SoundCloud with Adrian Barnard and reporters Tom Ellis and Liam Flint plus Ida and Solomon Ashams bringing news, stories, analysis and interviews. So the usual Planet Sport Football Africa show comes to you every week uh, here from Egypt but also podcasts throughout the tournament on the Planet Sport Football Africa app. The first one is up there already as Solomon Ashams gives his thoughts on the competition and the next one goes up on Monday. So to download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can also get the Egyptian Dream podcast on SoundCloud. So the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations is here. Depending on when you're listening to the show, Egypt will play or will have played Zimbabwe in the opening game on Friday night. Then the action comes thick and fast with three games on Saturday, including Nigeria against Burundi, and then three more on Sunday. It is the biggest ever Nations Cup with 24 teams up from 16. There'll be six groups of four. The top two go through to the round of 16, along with the four best third place teams. Now last week we looked at groups A, B and C. Let's continue and move on to group D, which looks like the group of death to me with Morocco, Ivory Coast, South Africa and Namibia. I'm not hearing too many people talking about Ivory Coast, but Ida, they must be in with a shout of some sort. 
You know, I was thinking the same thing not too long ago, Steve. I would imagine their 2017 performance paved the way for some of the thoughts that people have about them today. Because it's safe to say their group stage exit fell way below the standards set two years before that when they got to the final and won the trophy. Now, Ivory Coast have played in 23 Afghans, making the final four times. And this is where it gets interesting, Steve. All four finals that Ivory Coast have been involved in have gone to penalty shootouts. They beat Ghana in 1992 and then 2015 through penalties. And then they lost to Egypt in 2006 and then to Zambia in 2012, all through post-match penalties. Now, part of the Elephants' pre-tournament preps included a shock 1-0 loss to Uganda and a 3-1 win over Comoros. Something interesting about Ivory Coast is, just like Senegal, they have their own countryman managing the team, that being Ivorian head coach Ibrahim Kamara. Though we'll have to wait and see if his lack of big tournament experience will matter, this being his first African after all. It's been some time since the days of Drogba and the Tourers, and the casual observer would be forgiven for deeming the final 23-man squad as a bit ordinary. But there's actually lots of star power with the likes of Wilfred Zaha, Lil's Nicolas Pepe, who's even attracted Liverpool's attention, by the way, Tottenham's Serge Aurier and Wilfred Bonny. I really feel like this team can galvanize and do well. As for South Africa, the team arrived in Egypt on Tuesday ahead of the Nations Cup. This will be the 10th time that they will be taking part, having won the tournament on first attempt back in 1996. I think that with South Africa, though, the women's team Banyana has attended to overshadow the men's team of late, and I'm sure Bafana will want to make a statement. Compared with Ivory Coast, Steve, I think South Africa has even less standout names. So I'm going to go with Percy Tau, who won the Belgian League's Player of the Year award as the team's player to watch. But the bigger picture should always be about playing as a team as opposed to relying on individuals. Though on the flip side, having a dependable big game player never hurts, does it, Steve? Well, it helps in a big way, but you do need that quality throughout your squad at the same time as well. And now, before I get your views on Morocco, let's go back to a recent show where we spoke to Jalal Bonoua, who's a sports reporter based in Casablanca in Morocco. We've been watching Morocco's Hakim Ziyech and Nasser Mazraoui playing for Ajax in the UEFA Champions League, flying the flag for Morocco. And at last year's World Cup, Morocco were the most impressive of the African nations, arguably. They also won the CHAN, the African Nations Championship, last year as host. And Jalal feels that the Atlas Lions have an outstanding chance. Yes, here in Morocco, we think that if we don't win the African Cup of Nations title, this edition, we will never win it. Currently, we have got one of the best coaches in Africa, Mr. Hervé Renard, who uh, 90% will leave the team after the championship in Egypt. Uh, also, we have quality players who are performing well in, in Europe. Additionally, uh, Morocco's Football Federation and the Ministry of Sports here in Morocco are providing all what is needed to the team to bring a second African title to Morocco uh, despite the presence of strong uh, teams, mainly uh, Senegal, Egypt, Nigeria, Algeria, Cameroon and more. So from the show a few weeks ago, that's Jalal Bonoua who's in Casablanca in Morocco. And well, that's a pretty convincing argument, I'd say, Ida. 
It is, though there are a couple of ways to look at this one, Steve. Their record at the Nations Cup isn't what most people would imagine. They've taken part in 16 Afghans, but have only won it once, and that was a long time ago, back in 1976. They had a tendency of getting bundled out at the group stage. They've actually done that nine of the 16 times they've taken part, but they at least made the quarters in the last edition and will be hoping to better that this time round. But there's one difference between then and now, and it has to be the Herve Renard factor. I mean, wow, Steve, being the only coach to have won two Nations Cups with two different countries isn't a small feat. He won it with Zambia in 2012, then with Ivory Coast in 2015. And I'm sure Morocco will be hoping he can work his magic to make them the third country to win it under him. Namibia are also in Group D, and this will be their third appearance and I do like their coach's attitude because while many are expecting them to be onlookers as the battle rages between the other three teams, coach Ricardo Manetti says that they shouldn't be underestimated. Well, Manetti is a passionate coach. Look out for his exuberant body language at the tournament. And now let's go to Group E, Tunisia, Mali, Mauritania and Angola. Uh, pretty straightforward this for Tunisia and Mali. I'm inclined to slightly disagree here when it comes to Mali, Steve, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Let me start with Mauritania, who have made it to their first Afghan, which they did with a game to spare, by the way. And a huge part of this Afghan should be about soaking in the experience while doing their best not to be pushovers. As for Angola, while they haven't taken part in the last two editions, their history shows that there's definitely some level of pedigree to the team. This will be their eighth appearance and they did get to back-to-back -back quarterfinals in 2008 and 2010. That squad is definitely long gone, but with everything that's been happening with Mali, Angola might just take advantage and surprise everyone or maybe go through as one of the four best third-placed teams. I mean, stranger things have happened. To the group favorites, as you'd mentioned there, Steve, Tunisia and Mali. I feel like happenings off the pitch have overshadowed an 11th appearance for Mali at the Afghan. The country was close to being axed from the tournament if they didn't solve the crisis in their federation. And a short thing, the normalization committee was able to bring about a compromise, but the situation was quite embarrassing to say the least. From that to announcing the final Afghan squad four days after deadline because of everything going on in the federation, and it's been quite destabilizing and something that other countries can take advantage of. Steve, I just hope the team can put all the drama to the side and perform. Now, earlier in Group D, we were talking about Morocco's tendency of getting eliminated at the group stage in the past. And in Group E, it's something similar for the Carthage Eagles, albeit at a different level. They have been bundled out at the quarterfinal stage six times in their 18 appearances, including the last edition in Gabon. So despite winning it in 2004, a pattern can definitely be noticed here. But since then, they have taken part in the World Cup in Russia last year, minus forward Yusuf Msakni, who I'm sure will be looking forward to compensate with a good showing in Egypt. Now, I don't know if Tunisia are using their pre-Afghan friendlies to send a message out because they stand World Cup finalists Croatia 2-1 on their own soil, beat Iraq 2-0, and then beat Burundi 2-1. And if that's the case, then I hope the other teams have received the message loud and clear that Tunisia will be going for the title.
Well, very impressive results there. On to Group F shortly. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And I'm Steve Vickers in Cairo in Egypt, and I'm looking across at the mighty River Nile. And down below me, a busy road, one of many, many busy roads in Cairo, uh, which is going across the River Nile. And on each and every streetlight uh, on this road, there's a banner, a poster saying uh, the Total Africa Cup of Nations and with the Confederation of African Football logo. Just a sign that uh, the city is uh, very much abuzz with the Nations Cup. Now, we're producing regular podcasts throughout the tournament called The Egyptian Dream, available on the Planet Sport Football Africa app and also on SoundCloud. It's with Adrian Barnard, our reporters, Tom Ellis and Liam Flint, plus Ida and Solomon Ashams, are bringing you news, stories, analysis and interviews. The first show is up already on SoundCloud and on the app. As Solomon is on it. He talks about possible upsets. Well, I think one of the things that I, I love about big tournaments definitely is the shocks. And one of the teams that I feel is going to shock a lot of people at this tournament is Uganda. You know, a lot of people have underestimated Uganda, but Uganda have been able to progressively keep building. And they've been able to get players who play as a team. I think their strength is playing together as a team. So they might just get some results that are really good and also be able to go through that group. And you never know when they go out of that group, you never know what, what may just happen. But Uganda, definitely my money is on Uganda. And also, I think I want to put my money on South Africa. Why South Africa? Because South Africa hasn't played in the last two editions of AFCON. And now they're back. And on their way to qualifying, they defeated Nigeria in Nigeria, away from home, which I felt like, wow, you know, this is a South African team that, you know, is definitely on the rise. Not much will be expected of them by football fans from South Africa, but they might just surprise a few people. Mm, well, I wonder if you agree or disagree. We're looking forward to getting your thoughts throughout the Africa Cup of Nations on our Facebook page and on WhatsApp as the tournament progresses. Uh, please do send in your comments, your thoughts, uh, your reaction on our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. And we look forward to sharing the excitement of the Nations Cup with you not only here on Planet Sport Football Africa, but also on our podcast called The Egyptian Dream. Already impressed is establisher Raul in The Gambia says, well, great news about the podcast. Francisco Dodoma in Malawi says, that's a good development. I'm in for it. Ebrima Camera in The Gambia says, thanks. It's a welcome initiative. And in Sierra Leone, Ishmael Saidu Kanu also impressed with the idea of the regular Egyptian Dream podcast. So to listen to The Egyptian Dream podcast, you need to get the Planet Sport Football Africa app uh, to download the app go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa or you can listen on SoundCloud just enter Egyptian Dream uh, now we turn to social media and uh, as the tournament is here we asked last week who do you think will be the players that will shine at the continent's showpiece uh, certainly Mohamed Salah Sadio Mane and Liverpool teammate Naby Keita are among the highest profile players but there are many others who could have a big role to play. On what's up, Alan Ernest Twagi Rayezu in Rwanda says, uh, based on their fans and the historical background of the Pharaohs in the Nations Cup, I see that Mohamed Salah will be the best player of the tournament. Mustafa Touray in the Gambia also expects Salah to shine, saying, I guess Mane and Salah will both have a big impact for their respective nations, says Mustafa. They've both been in sensational form for Liverpool. They'll bring experience and leadership to their nations. 
Isaac Ngana is expecting several players to shine. Salah, Mane, Wilfred Zaha, Maxwell Corne, also of Ivory Coast, Hakim Ziyech of Morocco, Youssef Msakni of Tunisia and Riyad Mahrez of Algeria will all make the event colourful, says Isaac. In the Gambia, Jata Samba says it'll be so hard to predict. There are some good players like Wilfred Zaha, Thomas Partey of Ghana, Alex Iwobi of Nigeria and others. But I'm going for Sajo Mane as the one who will shine the most, says Jata. Frida Okachi in Kenya agrees, saying Mane will shine due to his fitness and the lack of injuries. This will be the only point to prove to the continent that he is still the best, says Frida. Vin Arshadi Pakamwa in Malawi also says it will be Mane. Now, Amat is in the Gambia. He says, I expect these big-name players are anticipating doing well for their nations, the likes of Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, Riyad Mahrez and Nabi Keita. Others, including the likes of Nicolas Pepe and Wilfred Zaha of Ivory Coast and Hakim Ziyech and many other young players really have the chance to shine at this competition. Gemo is a Cameroonian living in the United States. He says, I'll be watching two players in particular. These might not be popular picks, but I think Cameroon's Andre Onana and the DRC's Cedric Bakambu are going to shine at the Nations Cup, says Gemo. Onana brings the experience and confidence from winning it last time with Cameroon and almost making it to this year's Champions League final with Ajax with incredible saves. Bakambu's speed, goal scoring and the chances he creates will take the DRC further into the tournament. Interesting one there because last year Bakambu was reportedly Africa's most expensive signing ever when he moved to China, although the figure was never actually made public. Hams Haidara in the Gambia says Nicolas Pepe of Ivory Coast is a star to watch, but I also think things will be very difficult for Nabi Keita and Guinea. I don't see them going far, says Hams, but I think Algeria's Riyad Mahrez is also a star to watch. And Hatab Sambu, also in the Gambia, agrees saying Nicolas Pepe of Ivory Coast is one to look out for. Mwenda Zambwe is in Zambia. Watch out for South Africa's Percy Tao, says Mwenda. He's a marvel to watch and an intelligent player. And Dominic Ompile and Botswana agree, saying I'll be watching Percy Tao. Certainly he has been shining for his nation in the qualification campaign. Uh, Kausu Jabi in the Gambia has his eyes on a player from the other end of the continent. It'll be Hakim Ziyech of Morocco, says Kausu. Saja Conte also in the Gambia, says I'm going for Mane or Salah, because they're currently the Messi and Ronaldo of African football. Uh, don't underrate players like Alex Iwobi, Hakim Ziyech, Asamoa Jan of Ghana, and Andre Dedeayu, also the Black Stars, uh, plus Sahar and Pepe of Ivory Coast. But I'm going for Sajo Mane and Mo Salah, says Saja. Uh, Patrick Mwamlima in Malawi says, don't write off Alex Iwobi. Alpha Jalo in the Gambia says, Mane always finds it difficult to deliver for Senegal, but I tip him to do very well this year. Watch out for Ismaila Saar of Senegal and Hakim Ziyech of Morocco. They'll be the surprises of the tournament, says Alpha. Uh, yeah, Ismaila Saar, a young and explosive winger for the Taranga Lions. And finally, Musa Cham in the Gambia says, I think Mo Salah will be the star player, given that Egypt is the host nation and that all eyes will be on him. My only worry is if he'll be able to handle the pressure. But I won't be surprised if a new player emerges and catches our eyes, as is usually the case at a tournament like this. 
Thanks for that, Musa. Thanks to everyone who got in touch there with those views. Uh, so this week, and indeed throughout the tournament at the Nations Cup, asking for your views as the tournament progresses. Give us your thoughts, give us your views, your reaction. We'll have regular posts on Facebook and on WhatsApp for you to react to. Uh, so you can send us a message on WhatsApp on plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. We'll go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, back to the Nations Cup shortly, but to the FIFA Women's World Cup in France, where great news as for the first time two African teams have got out of the group stage and into the round of 16. Uh, Cameroon doing it in dramatic style on Thursday night, beating New Zealand 2-1. Two goals from Ajara and Chute, who put them ahead in the second half fairly early on. Uh, but an own goal with 10 minutes to go meant that Cameroon were heading out only for Nchut to score five minutes into second half stoppage time. Uh, Cameroon really deserved to progress. They played very well in their previous two games despite losing 1-0 to Canada and 3-1 to the Netherlands and they reached the last 16 in their debut appearance of four years ago as well so well done to Cameroon and Nigeria also qualified as one of the best third place teams. It was nail-biting. If Chile had beaten Thailand 3-0 they would have progressed but Chile won by two goals to nil there but Nigeria really also did deserve to go through as they lost gallantly to France in their final group game uh, losing 1-0 with a penalty retaken as the keeper moved off her line. Uh, these new rules were applied correctly as one or both feet must be on the line but many felt it was a cruel application of the rules. Uh, South Africa lost all three of their games. Uh, what's your assessment of Nigeria and South Africa Ida? That game between Nigeria and France was quite controversial to say the least, but it was also so unfortunate for Nigeria, especially given how much the Super Falcons gave. I felt they deserved at least a point for that solid defensive performance, but it just wasn't to be. It seemed everything that could go wrong for the Nigerian ladies did, from the red card to the new football rules having the penalty retaken. But that prior win over South Korea was so important for Nigeria and Assisset's performance was stellar. South Africa might be out, but I'm sure the experience of their first ever World Cup has really opened up their minds. Congratulations to Tembi Katlana for scoring the country's first and only goal in that game against Spain. Yes, banana, banana, not disgraced there. OK, back to the Africa Cup of Nations here in Egypt, where there's plenty of excitement here in Cairo. Mohamed Salah, the high-profile talisman of the Pharaohs, many expecting them to go all the way and to lift the trophy on the 19th of next month. Well, let's finish our preview of the Nations Cup with Group F. There's Cameroon, Ghana, Benin and Guinea-Bissau. Cameroon are the defending champions. Uh, things went their way in 2017, but I'm not convinced that they can challenge for the title this time either. You're not alone there, Steve. I've also not felt that vibe from the team. It all started with Cameroon being stripped of the hosting rights and having to qualify normally. And there's also been doubts about head coach Clarence Serdov, who, despite his success as a player in Europe, will be venturing into his first serious African football assignment. There have been concerns that he's disconnected from the African game. However, Steve, with half of the indomitable Lions team that won the championship in Gabon back, that definitely means experience for the four-time winners. Plus, their 2-1 win over Zambia in a pre-African friendly should boost morale. 
to Ghana who should qualify from the group without any difficulty. However, Steve, I did get a chance to watch the Black Stars since they were in the same qualifying group as Kenya and they do have some weaknesses as Kenya exposed when the Harambe Stars stunned them 1-0. Plus, we'll wait to see whether the chaos that surrounded the captaincy will be an issue in terms of team cohesion. However, their experience of 20-plus Afghan appearances should get them through the most preliminary of levels at the tournament. They've won the Nations Cup four times, though the last win came well over 30 years ago back in 1982. However, that's not to say that they haven't been getting close. They actually haven't finished in a position less than fourth in the last six editions, losing the finals in 2010 and 2015. And with one of if not the biggest reported budget at the Afghan at $8 million, then they really have no excuse not to perform. Guinea-Bissau, who make their second appearance in 2019, will be happy about it also being the country's first back-to-back -back showing. However, they head into the tournament in poor form with just one win in their last six games. And as for Benin, they will be making their fourth appearance after a nine-year hiatus. Yes, uh, and your final verdict, any prediction for us, Aida? I'm really just looking forward to all the amazing football action we'll get to see for the next four weeks. And you know, Steve, everyone has had their opinion, whether positive or negative, on the expansion of the tournament. But I'm also really happy for the teams who've made it to their first ever Afghan, because that does amazing things for the psychology of the team and the country in general. I'm not going to make a prediction on the possible team to win it just yet, but I'm definitely looking forward. Okay, fair enough. Well, uh, for me, I do think that Egypt, with the home advantage, have to be the favourites to win this, but it is a wide-open Nations Cup, no doubt about that. Uh, Morocco are my second choice. Uh, I do think that uh, they got such a good team that uh, this could be their opportunity to win it for a second time. And Senegal, disappointed in 2017, going out of the quarter-final stage, but uh, still Africa's number one ranked team and uh, such a strong squad. I think we might get some surprise teams in the round of 16, but I think after that, uh, the big teams are likely to dominate. Well, now to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK. On the first of this month, there were changes to the laws of the game that came into force. They are being implemented at the Nations Cup here in Egypt. Uh, last week, Stuart told us about the handball law, whereby that uh, goals that go in off attackers' hands or arms won't be allowed, whether or not it was intentional, and that if the ball strikes a player on the arm, with the arm making him unnaturally big, it is considered an offence. Uh, earlier on, we were highlighting that the goalkeeper must have one or both feet on the line when penalties are taken. That's been very controversial at the Women's World Cup. And as Stuart changes to drop balls. It used to be that these were contested, and now, generally speaking, the referee just gives the ball to one side who kicks it 50 metres down. Well, in future, the referee will give the ball to the team which had the ball in the more or less the same position as they had it, and the opposition must be four metres away. So that's a real advantage to the attacking team. And a drop ball will now be awarded if the ball hits the referee and uh, someone gains an advantage from this. In fact, a couple of weeks ago in the Dutch fourth division, the ball hit the referee and went into the goal. So the referee technically scored. And under the laws at that stage, that would stand. But as from next season, if the ball hits the referee and goes into the goal, it will simply be a drop ball. 
Goal kicks, as you will know, at the moment, the goal kick must go out of the penalty area. Uh, otherwise, it has to be retaken. But in future, the goal kick is in play the moment it is kicked. And that will likely make a big difference to teams like Liverpool and Manchester City, whose goalkeepers, Alisson and Ederson, like to play out from the back. So they will be able just to pass to somebody who's in the penalty area and start a move. And similarly, a free kick inside the penalty area no longer has to go out of the penalty area to be in play. I think that's a good thing because it stops time-wasting, really. Another really interesting change is that you know how forwards often try to stand in the wall to put the defenders off? Well, if there are more than three players in a defensive wall, the attacking team is no longer allowed to have anyone within one metre of the wall. And this one actually confuses me a little bit. But the ruling says that if the referee is about to show a yellow card or a red card, but before he can do so, the fouled team takes a quick free kick and creates a scoring chance the official can now come back and show a yellow card. Previously, I'm told, he was not allowed to do that, but I'm sure I've seen that happen. We'll have to see how that works out in practice. Well, thanks, Stuart. We'll look out for those changes to the laws of the game at the Nations Cup Finals here in Egypt. Well, that's it for the show. A reminder again about our podcast, the Egyptian Dream podcast, coming to you regularly throughout the Nations Cup, available on SoundCloud and on the Planet Sport Football Africa app. The first one is up already. The next one is on Monday. Uh, so to download the podcast, you go to the Planet Sport Football Africa app or go to SoundCloud. If you don't have the app, uh, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can download the app that way. Well, from me, Steve Vickers in Cairo in Egypt, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.